have a seat, if you will, please. I'm going to change something. Is that okay? Can we do that? Seemed like tonight there's been a grand exodus right before the offering. Isn't that convenient? I was going to have the ladies sing an off tour, but there don't be people in here. They'll come back. You know, I had another thought. This is the way I think sometimes. I thought, man, this is really a lot of people went out. I'm thinking about getting potty porties and putting them under here. <laughs> Closing down the bathrooms and people won't leave and they won't use them either because they don't want anybody to see them go in there. I don't know. This is kind of this is kind of unusual, Pastor. Only you would say something like that. Well, okay. All right. I'm just trying to wait for people to come. Okay. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna let the ladies just sing, and we're gonna get the Kendricks up here to sing after them, and the Kendricks will sing one of their songs as off Tory, and that will all these people that think they're missing the offering. They're going to hear the Kendricks sing, and they're going to come back out, but they don't know what we know. Amen. <laughs> so ladies, we're just going to have you sing and worship the Lord, and then we're going to move on. Okay, ladies?
one. Good words. Praise the Lord. Well done, ladies. Thank you so much. Kendrick, bring your family if you would or have them come. They're going to do some singing now. We love the Kendrick family, and uh, I tell you, they, the elder boys have moved on with work and school, but they haven't missed a beat. The Kendrick family is still good. They're good representatives of Christ and the gospel. I love to hear them sing. They're going to do, uh, I don't know, two, three, whatever Dad thinks, and uh, then we'll have the last preacher up here. But uh, go ahead and sing one, and then we're going to get the ushers up here and take up our offering, okay? Go ahead and sing one, and then we'll have offering.
Say, our ushers come, we'll take up our offering. And I know um, my family and church, we're praying about what the Lord have us give. My wife and I give through the year, all year towards the tent. And uh, we want to be a good giver towards this meeting and be uh, hospitable uh, towards those that come to minister to us. So whatever you have on your heart tonight, uh, you give that and it goes to those come this week to preach to us. Let's ask God's blessing on the offering. Let's bow our heads if we would. And, and we'll pray. Brother Sharpetta, would you pray for the offering, please? Your plan out. 
Pastor James Brown will come and preach, and he's pastor of Bean Blossom Baptist Church in Bean Blossom, Indiana, and I've wanted him to come for years to preach at our church and just worked out this year. And uh, 47 years, started the work and pastored the church. And as I said to the church earlier, I look at Brother Brian McBride and how he handles the ministry and the Word of God. And uh, Brother Brian just would not stay under a pastor for 39, almost 40 years if this man wasn't a good, good man of God. And so he's highly respected. I'm honored that he come to our church. Pastors are busy people. He'll be leaving tomorrow uh, with his wife. And so I'm very honored he's here. And we don't do this. We just don't do this. But this man's been faithful. I want you to give him a hand as he comes to the pulpit. Brother McBride gave it to me with it off, and uh, so he probably wasn't wanting to hear me tonight. But I appreciate you being here, and I appreciate being with your pastor, and I look at all the good things you are doing, and I praise God for it. And, and uh, you know, if I had to put on this meeting here, I'd just go out in the woods and shoot myself and uh, let somebody else take it and go on. But uh, anyway, it's good to see you tonight. I'll take your Bibles, turn to Matthew 23, 37. You didn't get my sermon last night, so I'm going to preach it again. <laughs> but anyway, the music's really been great, hasn't it? That's better than going to Nashville, Tennessee. And before I got saved, that's probably a year before I got saved. I was 17 when I got saved. And the little Baptist church there in Louisville, Mississippi had, uh, they had a pastor been there a long time, but he was just really a convincing guy. And uh, so one Sunday I wasn't there, and Conway, Twi uh, Conway Twitty showed up to church. And uh, so the preacher had him to come up and sang a few. And he played the piano and he sang a few. Now, of course, Conway Twitty over there on Moon Lake had a honky-tonk. And uh, so he comes to church. I don't know if he'd ever been, but the preacher had him sing. Now, if he'd ever came to church I pastored, Conway Twitty would not have sang. And, uh, and so people tell you, oh, you should have been there Sunday. You should have been there Sunday. Conway Twitty was there. But uh, anyway, this thing is better than Conway Twitty, isn't it? They're not singing about getting drunk. And they're not singing about living a wicked life. They're not singing about all that kind of stuff. You know what country singers do. They start off in the church. They get good. They go out and live like hell and make money. And then when it's time to die, they come back to the church. And uh, so that's kind of the story of their life. All right, Matthew 23, 37. Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and you would not? Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name 
of the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Bless the reading of it and help the preaching of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Tonight, since I failed last night, I want to preach to you on this subject, watching the hen. Now, Jesus said there that uh, I would gather thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wing, and you would not. Notice man has a will on this business of being saved. And God gave us the will to choose. And I'm glad that one day I chose to be saved. All the other time I chose to be lost away from God and not serving God. But there came a time and there was a place that I was willing to come to him. Now Jesus wanted to be a mother hen to a group of people that were known for killing the prophets of God and for stoning his messengers. He had compassion on them and would have taken them under his wings, but they would not come. He wanted to protect them as a mother hen would from the cold, the rain, the heat, the predators, the darkness and fear. Because they refused to come, they would not live and their house would be left empty. Now, when you think about a hen, what does a hen do? First of all, she lays in hope. A hen does not lay an egg so you can have breakfast. She don't give out any thought. She doesn't lay an egg so that if your envelope don't stick, you crack it and put that white on there and seal the envelope so you put it in the mail. She doesn't lay an egg so you can make toppings for cakes and pies. She doesn't lay eggs so you can make ice cream. Oh, hallelujah for ice cream, though, isn't it? There's not anything I like better than ice cream. I could always eat more than anyone else. My uncle and I, we used to make homemade ice cream. We'd have a contest and I'd beat him. But I had a secret weapon. I do not get brain freeze when I eat ice cream. I can just gobble it up. No pain, no nothing. And when I'm eating ice cream, I'm in a different world. And uh, But a hen don't care if I have ice cream or not. She's not thinking about that. What that hen is thinking about is accumulating enough eggs to reproduce after her kind. She wants to be a part of God's plan. Way back in Genesis when God made everything, he made them to reproduce after their kind. And so God put it in the mind and heart of a hen to try to produce those that are after her kind and have a part in God's plan. That's why a girl has a hope chest. And uh, she puts things in there for the time that she gets married, hopefully. And uh, that's why a Christian gives out the gospel. We give out the gospel because we want to produce after our kind. That's what God put in our heart when we got saved, was to reproduce after our kind. That's why we became faithful in church. That's why we learned the Word of God. That's why we uh, learn how to use the Word of God and invite people to come to Christ and be saved because there's something within us that God put there when we got saved 
that wants us to produce after our kind. So she lays in hope. Secondly, she sets in faith. She believes that if she'll do what God ordained her to do, she will produce life. And if you do what God has ordained you to do, you will help produce spiritual life in someone that becomes a Christian. And so she sets in faith. She starts clucking. And when an old hen starts clucking, you know she's going to start setting. And when a Christian starts being faithful in church, when he starts coming, going on visitation, uh, when he starts praying, when he puts people on the prayer list and all of that, he has a plan. And his plan is trying to reach that person for God. Now, you boys, it's time for a test. We're going far enough. From last night, how many days does it take a chicken egg to hatch? All right, how much? 21? All right, come here. Yeah. It pays to pay attention. Okay. Besides that, you're the one I pecked on all the time last night, and you deserve it. <laughs> so, a hen, as I mentioned last night, doesn't know it would take 21 days, or she might not start. And uh, if she knew how long it had been, how hard the work was, she might not start. And she has to deny herself to hatch those people. Brother McBride was kind of ticked off on some things people are doing, saying, and all that. Let me say there's one thing that ticks me off more than anything in the world because it's wicked, ungodly, of the devil, and the words came from the pits of hell and was hatched by him. And that is, it's time I started living for myself. How many times do you hear people saying that anymore? That ear, it's like scratching your fingernails on a blackboard to me when people say that. What do you mean it's time for you to live for yourself? That's not the Bible. That's not Christianity. That's not the will of God. And I don't know when they started hatching up that little old saying, but for years I never heard it, but now it seems like I hear it all the time. And I hear there once in a while out of people that go to the church that I pastor, that, well, that this and this is happening, and it's time I started living for myself. God did not ever help tell you you had a time to live for yourself. You're to live for the glory of God, and you're to live for others, and you're to put them before you. Good night. How stupid can people be? Time I live for myself. You want to be miserable, unhappy, people hate you, don't want to be around you, not claim kin to you anymore. You start living for yourself. But an old hen doesn't. She hops on that nest. She sits there. And if you bother her, see that? That is a genuine hen peck right there on me. I got it last week. And an old hen wouldn't give her eggs up, and I tried to take them. But she's going to sit there and hatch those chickens. And the Bible tells us that we will reap if we don't faint. i never seen so much fainting in my life. People giving up. People quitting. 
all over America, people talk about people being in church for a good long time and boom, they're gone. They quit. Absolutely quit. I lived in Memphis for a year one time. Worst year of my life. So I was seventh grade. And we had an empty lot there and we played baseball on it every day. Here are the rules. You say, well, whoever got the most runs won. Not necessarily. Whoever quit first lost. <laughs> and so if you were losing bad, you were hoping their mom or dad called them to the house. Because if they quit, they lost. And so I'm just saying that, uh, that she sits in faith. And uh, so she sits there. And, you know, we give people the Word of God because people will be saved if they hear the Word of God because they can't be saved without hearing the Word of God. People can't be saved without hearing the Word of God. No matter where they're at, no matter what they're doing, no matter what country it is, if they don't hear the Word of God, they cannot save. And so when you give somebody the Word of God, you're giving them their only chance and their only hope of being saved. That's it. Without the Word of God, they'll never come to Christ. Without the Word of God, I never came to Christ. But I heard the gospel hundreds of times before I got saved. But thank God I finally did get saved because I continually heard the Word of God. Number three, she hatches in joy. When the chickens hatch, and we're not going to Pippin and all that because they ain't got any more money to uh, pay you boys when you answer tonight. <clears throat> I'm sorry. How much money you got, Ms. Brown? Well, how much money you got, Brother McBride? <laughs> we get some money out of somebody. But anyway, when, the, when all the little chickens hatch, she comes off the nest clucking because she wants to show everybody her new family. And she comes marching out through the barnyard, them little baby chickens following after her, and she's showing them off of what she has done and what she has. And I remember the night when I got saved there in 65, and uh, I came down the house, second seat, second row, and I came down here, and the preacher dealt with me and all that. And then when the whole thing was over, they lined all of us up to get saved like this. We're lined up across the front. And the reason they did is because they wanted to show us off. They were glad. And then, of course, you know, people come around, shake hands, and everybody's glad. Ho, ho, ho. We're in business, boys. (laughs) And so so little hen takes them around a lot, and she takes them first of all for feed. And then, boys, she takes them secondly all to what? After she feeds them, she what? Remember the mayonnaise lids? Water. Who said that? Who said first? I'm talking about you boys. I ain't paying them adults anything. All right, come up here. Water don't pay much. (laughs) 
But she wants other hens to see her family. And then number four, she protects them in love. Now, an old hen will peck you, but if you mess with them baby chickens, she'll get you. And if a dog comes near, she'll be all over his head. Now, I had an old hen one time. She laid blue eggs. My chickens lay blue eggs, green eggs, gray eggs, white eggs, brown eggs. Any color left out is brown. And so we have an Easter egg hunt every day. And so I heard some noise, and I went out to see what was going. There's a bush back there in the back. I cut it down and killed it now. It got too wild. But uh, anyway, there was a hawk there on the ground. And there an old hen was standing out there, and she was taking him on. I mean, she was up to the challenge, and she was fighting and making a, a funny noise. I never made a hen lay before. And I looked, and she'd already put those baby chickens under that bush. And so there she was, ready to give her life to protect those little chickens. Isn't it funny that women today want to take the life of their little babies rather than protect them from the hawk and the owl and the coyotes and the fox and everything else in this world? The, the most dangerous place they can be is in a mother's womb. Kills more than dope and kills more than crime on the street and any other way. It's this business that they use called abortion and it's wicked and it's bad. And if you went out there and one of them baby chicks just hacked that day and stomped it and smashed it in the ground, that hen would be all over you. You know why? Now, I don't know if animals love, whether she loves or not, she knows it's her job to protect those baby chickens. And so she protects them in love. And uh, she protects them for, you know, I saw something the other day. I never saw it before. I heard of it, but never saw it. I was cutting grass, and I scared up a snake. He was about that long, about the size of my finger. And so I'm trying to think where to get off and stomp him or run over him with a lawnmower. I was kind of hating to get off the lawnmower because, you know, you got to use energy to get back home. But before I did, an old red hen came running in there. She caught that snake, started shaking it. And it got loose and she'd catch it and it got loose and she'd catch it. And finally, she got a head bite and she killed it. I mean, that long, killed that snake. And the last I saw her, she was trying to eat it. I'm telling you, old hens are tough. And I'm telling you, they're protectors. And you know, Paul, the people he won to God and wrote those books in the Bible, he saw the enemies of the cross of Christ and he saw what they were trying to do. And he tried to warn people to protect people and watch out. And he said, you know, I tried to part. He said, grievous wolves are going to come in and they're going to try to destroy the flock. So they were enemies. They were enemies to Christianity and to the church and to the Word of God and to the preacher of God. And so they're all kind of enemies like that. And, uh, and so he wanted them to be protected. He saw them as enemies. And 
You know, those grievous wolves will come in and it's said destroy the flock. But how are they dressed? They're dressed like sheep. But inside, they're ravening wolves. Uh, Jude warned us about that. When my oldest boy was little, we were uh, sitting around, I was having him read the Bible, and he's reading there in Jude. Uh, how many chapters are in Jude? Now, that's a Bible question, isn't it? It ought to be worth $10. <laughs> Whoever brought that money up, bring some more. <laughs> Now, number five, she scratches provisions. Every time she finds something good to eat, she calls them. She don't eat, they eat first. I think it's Brother McBride the other night said he need to feed himself first before he fed the flock. Chickens don't do that. They feed them first, then they feed themselves. I don't guess it matters. Well, it's like a little, poke a little hole in what you preach for fun. <laughs> but anyway, she scratches. And because it's not about her, it's about them. She makes sure that they are fed. She makes sure that, uh, and we need to make sure that uh, we study to show ourselves approved to God. You know, it, chickens aside, we owe our mothers a lot, don't we? You know, we'd be helpless on our own, and we had to have them. And as a young Christian, the Baptist church provided for me the things that I needed, and it still does provide, to provide for me the things that I've needed. Now, I don't understand this. I went to a Baptist church, got saved in a Baptist church, got called to preach in a Baptist church, Went to, uh, <laughs> went to Bible college while I was going to a Baptist church. I uh, have pastored a Baptist church. I preached in Baptist church. And so I think that when I die, I'll be a Baptist. Because I owe a lot to them, don't I? I owe a lot to the Baptist. A whole lot. And yet we have people today that have gone through what I've gone through and all of a sudden they decide that they don't want to be a Baptist anymore. You talk about ingratitude. That's ingratitude, isn't it? Man, I owe a lot to them. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm just saying that uh, in our Christian lives there's some things that we need to have and some things that we need to do and we need to be loyal. We need to be loyal. An old hen is always loyal to her chicks, even when they grow up. Watching after them and caring for them and all that. Oh. Should I go over to the, to the older side? Oh, my goodness. There's some big money in here now. <laughs> Maybe I'll ask myself a question. <laughs> <laughs> now, 
she lives for her chicks and they take up all her time. Take up all of her time. And so an old hen can't be a party girl. She has a 24-hour-a-day job. And you know what? She seems to be happy. I never saw a hen look unhappy. <laughs> now, I've heard people say the matter in an old wet hen. I know, you know, I talk about putting hens in jail. Why did I put them in jail? Oh, my goodness, look at all the hen. All right, I... No. They were what? No. Do you have your hand up? Do you? No. No. Huh? So they wouldn't say it? Is that your answer? Okay, it's all right. But your gospel saying, right? It's going to give you a dollar. <laughs> Paul said to the church, You're my joy and rejoicing. Now, let me say, I don't know why I've been preaching to kind of younger people this week. Probably because I know you old people are a bunch of old knotheads and don't listen anyway. But, uh, now I forgot what I was going to say and I walked over here. <laughs> That's what happens when you get old. Uh, oh, okay. Now you kids are joy, joy and rejoicing your parents. You, you boys are. The girls, I don't know what they are. But I never lived a life of girls, so I don't know what it's like. But, uh, but, but I did marry a girl. But she was unhappy to respect me, and man, she's been so happy all these years, and, and uh, I've just been a perfect husband. But... Uh, Ask me a question. <laughs> 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 um, I'm afraid you will answer. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what I'm going to say. Way back there, I go to church, be sitting here on front rows like you boys, because when you're young, that's where you have to sit, so everybody can watch you, make sure you behave and all that. Where's that little boy I pick at every night, kicking his chair, getting him in trouble? What's his name? Eli. Eli, would you come up here? <laughs> well, I only got big money left. Come on up here. Come around there. I'll, I'll crawl up there. Who cares? <laughs> now, Eli, I want your dad to take you all to the ice cream place tonight, okay? But every night when he comes, sits down, I'm back, and I kick his chair real hard. But then he starts acting up, and his dad gets on him. And so I think that's worth 20 bucks, okay? <laughs> all right? All right, go back to your dad. <laughs> Wish I could run like that. 
Now, an old hen worries when boundaries are crossed. She don't like her little chicks playing with other little chicks because uh, she don't trust them very much. Uh, you know, your, your mom and dad's careful who you play with, who you run with. Sometimes you don't understand it. And I was the same way. When we lived in Memphis, had a neighbor live right by us. Let's see, I was 13, he was 15. And uh, so one day he said, uh, walk with me to the store. And I asked my mother, she said, no. Oh, man, it killed my heart. Had to go out and tell him my mother won't let me walk to the store, which is about eh, half a mile. So he didn't come back. And a couple of days later, we were going to the lot where we played baseball. He wasn't there, so I went and knocked on the door. His mother came to the door. His name was Billy. And uh, I said, where's Billy at? She said, I might as well tell you he's in jail. So they left here the other day, and they walked to the store, and they stole a car, and they got caught. Funny, my mother's smarter than I was, isn't it? I had a good friend, Billy Wayne Crenshaw, when I was growing up there in the, in the hills of Choctaw County, Mississippi. And he was a great influence on me a year or two. I mean, we did things, rode horses, fished, and all. But he had a first cousin. And he was uh, a Henson, but he's Billy Wayne's first cousin, uh, Sonny Henson. And Sonny didn't go to church, but he'd come over Sunday morning and get me to help him dig worms, and he'd go fishing, and I'd go to church. Man, that was bad. I asked my mother one time. I should not have asked. Time went by. Uh, Billy Wayne... I think he went to Hines College there in Jackson, and he was really athletic, came a football coach, and he's probably retired now and moved over to Alabama. Why he'd ever leave Mississippi and go to Alabama, I don't know. But uh, anyway, Sonny Henson, he went off for a while, and he came back, and he went to Noe Mills one night about 12 o'clock, knocked on doors, said, Noe, I need some gas. And, you know, country people used to go wake up store owners when they need gas or something like that. And so when he went down there uh, to get the gas, he went in and had a rifle and said, Noah, give me all your money out of your cash register. Well, the Mills guys, they never got married. They just, and they were tight. tight. They go around like kids rubbing their hands. My granddad said that's so the hands would be warm when they get the next dollar. But uh, anyway, Noah reaching out his pocket knife out. KXX, of course. And uh, Sonny shot him and killed him. And they sent him to Parksville, Mississippi State Prison, for life. Now, my mother never did like me playing with him. Guess what? My mother was smarter than I was. Smarter than I was. And all the way through, they, my parents were smarter than I was in judging other people. And so if your mom doesn't want you to be around somebody, she's probably right. And your mom is the old mother hen. And she's looking out for your good. And she don't want you to get hurt. And she don't want you to be in trouble. And so, uh, and she's been around longer, and somehow mothers can read other people better than us boys can read other people. So don't forget that. Right? 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 Okay. 
Who boys are? I know who you are, but who are you? Who? Oh, right there. Okay. Where? That's your mom right there, right? Okay. She knows more than you do. But, you know, there's a lot to worry about. Wrong company. Dangerous to marry somebody with another faith. Bad. You know, it may have been Bill Rice. It may have been John Rice. But he always said this. He said, it's wrong to love them. It's wrong to love them. It's wrong to marry them. You get that? And uh, so I'm just saying that there are people, if, you know, if it's wrong to love them, it's wrong to date them, isn't it? Baptists used to be hard on that. You hardly ever hear anybody preach on that anymore. If it's wrong to marry them, it's wrong to love them, it's wrong to love them, it's wrong to go with them. Okay? Everybody got that? Okay. Now, the last thing, number eight, when it's like this, well, a little earlier than this, the old hen starts clucking. And it's time to go into the chicken house. And so she climbs up the roosting pole, gradually clucking. Now, she's uh, clucking those in, uh, to those little babies, trying to tell them to do what? Who said that? It wasn't your time. I'm talking to him. <laughs> Will you accept his answer? Okay. And who knows more about other people than you? All right. <laughs> now, she goes to the top of the pole and she keeps clucking till they all come in. If there's one down there still chirping or whatever, she stays there clucking till, the, till they come on up and they come in. Now, what that old hen wants is she wants all of her family in. My granddad Brown was a Baptist preacher. My grandmother Brown was the son of a Baptist preacher. And... Uh, <laughs> Her granddad was killed in Marietta, Georgia in the war between the states. So I don't know about him, if his baptistry preached, I don't know if he's saved, although they did have a revival go through the, uh, uh, go through the uh, Confederate Army at that time. And he was killed at Marietta as they fought German, uh, German, Sherman, as he left Chattanooga and came down going to burn Atlanta. Then he went from Atlanta to Columbia, South Carolina, and burnt that down. And uh, so... I never did trust anybody named Sherman, okay? <laughs> now, you folks laugh at me. They stole our cows. They burnt down our barns. Uh, they rode our mules away. 
they burned our houses, they stole our silverware, and uh, they stole the grunt off the goats and hogs. And, but I am not bitter. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm trying to get to the end here. But I still got $3. Okay, anybody on this row? Was Robert E. Lee a Confederate or Yankee? Are you? Huh? All right, come on. Uh, Who won the Battle of New Orleans for the Americans? Come ahead. All right. Uh, what was Stonewall's last name? Yes. Come on. You're a pretty good boy. How old are you? What's your name? Huh? Titus Williams. All right, Titus, good name. Now, sorry, I'm broke. Let me finish. <laughs> so she don't want any left behind. She has true concern for them because once they get up there, she'll protect them and she'll brood over them. Now, one of these days, you and I are going to check out and we're going to go to heaven. And before we do, we sure do want to get our family in, don't we? Some aren't, so we're going to stand up at the top of the pole and cluck to them. And tell them Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by him. We're going to wait and cluck and call. Because one of these days, we're going to be gone. And we'll be in glory. And then when they pass away or Jesus comes, we want them to go to heaven. You see, that old hen is not happy when she's in a chicken house and her brood's on the outside. And you and I should not be content thinking about that when we die and go to heaven, our family is going to be left on the other side left on the other side. People prayed for me, especially the family, the ones that were saved, that I'd come to Christ, and I waited a long time, but I did. And they just couldn't stand the thought that they'd be in heaven and I'd be in hell. That's a bad thought. We're in heaven, they're in hell, isn't it? Y'all got any brothers or sisters? You do? You don't go to hell, do you? You don't them go to hell, do you? You boys don't, do you? Or maybe you have moms and dads. You don't go to hell, do you? Surely you'd have as much compassion as an old hen, wouldn't you? And care for them? 
See, there's only two places that people are going to go. They're going to go to heaven or they're going to go to hell. Last week, I did the hardest funeral I ever did in my life. And uh, a lady died. She'd been in a nursing home quite a while. And some years ago, I led her husband to the Lord. He was a neighbor of ours years ago. But anyway, he got saved. And I did his funeral. Some years have gone by, and now she's died. I did her funeral. And uh, it was our neighbors all in that little place that we lived. And I don't know, I've done a lot of their funerals. And we were close, and we had a fun time living with those people. And, and uh, you know, when I came down there and was going to be a preacher, they thought we moved a trailer, and they thought we were taking their ball field away. But I was the biggest ball player of all time. And we sold our trailer. They, there were so many dents and knocks in that thing that, uh, that it was almost worthless. But anyway, and uh, the undertaker did it at, at Seymour there, and, and he got saved in our church, and his dad was pretty much worthless. His dad was a drunk. And, uh, but he got saved in our church, and he became an undertaker, and he became very rich. And so he was witnessing to the ones that were left, and I was witnessing to the ones that left. And so we went out to an old country cemetery. There were two trees there that big around. I mean, it was back in there. And uh, we had her funeral. Now, here's why it was hard. I looked out there at the rest, a bunch of them came to the graveside, and a lot of them aren't saved, and these were. And I did my level best to give them the simple gospel so that they would get saved. And, uh, but none of them did. Now here it was, members of their family had gotten saved, and they uh, came to Christ. Mark, the undertaker, he got saved, he came to Christ and lived for God. And some of them didn't live too much for God and they didn't have much, but he lived for God and God blessed him. And he witnessed to them. But they wouldn't get saved. And I felt like kind of for the old people that had gone on that I was there and maybe I was the last hope. The last hope. And I wanted them to be saved, and those that are already going to heaven, I'm sure did. But they just wouldn't come up the pole. They just wouldn't come. The old, you know, Jesus is liking himself to an old hen that was calling, but he said you would not. Didn't say you could not, he said you would not. You wouldn't come. And that sad day when people turn down safety in Christ, which is the only safe place. But listen to me. You got to keep trying. And you can't give up. And just keep on praying. Keep on talking to them. When they come to your house, even if you're eating a watermelon, pray before you eat. And sometimes, you know, I don't know how you do it, sometimes. People aren't saved, and around where I eat, I pray the gospel. <laughs> you know, I, they'd say, uh, Brother Brown, you're here. If I visit, and say, you here, you bless the food. And so I start out, and I'm praying the gospel to them. And preachers do it. You, you guys may not know it. We do that. We sneak it in where we can. 
And the reason is because people need it. But, uh, but anyway, you just have to stay at it. Just have to stay at it. You know, the father, I think he looked down the road every day to see if his son's coming back. That's what I think. Because the boy, he didn't get there. His father already knew he was coming and went out and met him. Every day he longed and he looked and he prayed that his boy would come back. As long as there's life, there is hope. So keep on praying. Keep on trying to bring him to Christ and keep on doing the will of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we're thankful for these people that assemble here tonight. And Lord, I pray that the Word of God would help us all. And I pray that you'd give us real genuine concern for other people. And Lord, may our hearts beat for them, and may we feel for them. And may we beckon the call down to them on the ground to come on up, come on up the pole, and there is a place of safety, and uh, there's a place of great rest, and that's in Jesus Christ. And Lord, you know what's in our hearts. You know if we care for people or not, but I pray that we would. And if we don't, Holy Ghost to God, impress it upon our mind in our heart tonight that we would want these people to come to Christ and not give up. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. One twenty-five. Jesus paid it all, and uh, you come as the Lord speaking to your heart tonight. Maybe come pray for your family. Somebody in, on your heart for years, you've been praying for them and witnessing to them, inviting them to church, and they just haven't come yet. I like what the preacher said: you can't give up. You can't give up. One twenty-five. Let's sing, brother Tom. Lead us, please. You come as the Lord leads you. Pray for your family, for your neighbors, for your friends. Hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus made it all. Amen. 
there I got family in my life that don't know the Lord and and uh, I've kind of tried and tried and tried and pastor they haven't come to the Lord and I've kind of lost my burden and uh, God spoke to my heart tonight would you lift your hand no one's looking lift your hand say God spoke good good praise the Lord I did that many times through the years lose my burden but um Hey, let's get them in. Let's pray. Let's be faithful. Try to bring your family to Christ. How many tonight, heads are bowed and eyes closed, you have family that they made profession of faith at one time they went to church and served the Lord. You say, preacher, many of them now are, they're out of church. They don't want nothing to do with God. Maybe they even go to a church that you know is not right for them. And you say, preacher, I, I, I need a renewed burden. Would you lift your hand? Pray. Well, that's a bigger crowd. That's a bigger crowd. Breaks the heart of Christians when they have family that were preached and taught and they know better, but they're away from the Lord. Don't lose your burden for them either. Pray for them to come back. And it can happen. It can. I've seen it happen. Don't, don't think it can't. Keep faithful. Keep praying. Amen. Good reminder tonight. Thank you, Pastor Brown. It's been an honor having you here. And you encouraged us and helped us. I don't think we're going to forget about the messages we heard from Pastor Brown. All right, we're going to close in prayer. Let's bow our heads if we would. I don't know. Heads are bowed. So, preacher. Uh, nothing that was said tonight. I'm not a burden for those things you mentioned, but I do, I do have something on my heart. And before you close, Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? Anybody like that? All right. Many hands there too. Okay. God knows. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what we heard tonight. We thank you for the good spirit here under the tent. And Lord, there are folks that have burdens on their heart that are different than lost folks or people that are away from you. I don't know what it is. It might be a family problem. It might be finances. It might be health. I don't know, but you do. And I pray that you'd answer those prayers. Give them a desire not to quit whatever it is, too. The stresses and the pressures of this day. We know that Satan, Lord, he knows he has but a short time. He's wearing out the saints, and I pray, God, you'd encourage these dear people. Bless us now, and we pray that you bless the services tomorrow night to come. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, be careful as you leave with the children. Food courts open. Stay in fellowship. Good night. God bless you. Kids, got things for the kids.